Good morning, folks. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for the notices. Always a lot going on. Um, you've got two for the price of one this morning. You're going to get me for about 10 minutes, and then you're going to get Steve and Jeanette for the rest of the morning. The handout that's coming out is for my bit. This, I'm giving you it on the sheet, so I don't have to say it all, uh, or take too long saying it anyway. Um, and uh, could somebody bring me the clicker? That would be great. We've been looking for the last two weeks at the theme of fit in body, mind, and spirit. And specifically, so far, what the Bible has to say about physical fitness and the way in which we treat our bodies. Um, we've looked at this over the last two weeks, and if you want to catch up with that, you'd be more than welcome. We've based a lot of our thinking around this key verse, which uh, is from 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, and it says, Do you not know... That your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price and therefore honor God with our bodies. We've been looking at what it means to honor God with the bodies that he's given us, which aren't actually our own. They're on loan to us, but they're not ours. And I've been sharing my own story in this area and how I realized that for me, as for many of us, Things that I've known for a long time I needed to do, in other words, eat less and move more, have come not from a motivation necessarily of just wanting to live longer and be present for my children and grandchildren, although that is something I really want to do, but actually because the Bible teaches us that we need to honor our bodies, that that's part of our discipleship. It's part of following Jesus to give him and honor him with everything, not just my mind, not just my emotions, not just my spirit, but actually my physical body too. Now, I did say this last week, we don't all have the same body types and we don't all have the same metabolism. Actually, there are a few of us, not many, but a few who probably need to gain weight. But most of us could probably be fitter than we are. And I did need to lose some weight and I have lost some. Um, but even if we don't actually need to lose any weight, many of us do need to be more mindful of the way in which we treat our bodies. And I've been sharing some material from Rick Warren from a book called The Daniel Plan, which I highly recommend. Um, this is a plan that isn't just about losing weight. It's aimed at improving all-round physical health. As Rick says, what you do with your bodies sets the tone for everything else. Physical health influences our mental, spiritual, emotional, relational, and even our financial health. And the plan looks at five areas, the first three of which we looked at last week. So I'm not going to go back over those. Faith, food, and fitness uh, we looked at last week. And there's some verses on there, some of the key verses. We looked at how our faith in God is an essential ingredient to any change, and we need to tap into his power if we're going to try and change things. We looked at food and what it means to eat and drink for the glory of God. I looked at how God isn't down on food or feasting, um, but how the Bible teaches everything in moderation and how in the West here we've got some real problems with the food and the amounts of food we're eating and the types of food that we're eating. And we need to look at that some more. Um, some people... <laughs> uh, People have been, you've been, you've been very kind and you've been very encouraging in your responses to this series. I've had a number of emails. Let me read you just a quote from one of them. Um, somebody emailed me and said, having had zero fruit and veg and three takeaways last week, I went straight to Tesco's after the service and filled the trolley with fruit, fish, veg, dates, apricots, nuts, beans, and fresh herbs. And then bumped into somebody else from the church who saw my trolley and said, wow, you were really listening this morning. <laughs> one other person, um, 
uh, I have cleared that he's all right with this, actually posted a Facebook picture of his healthy lunch uh, on my Facebook page. So well done, Dom, and thanks for that. Um, you know, so some, something's going in, something's making a difference. And we looked at that, and we looked at uh, fitness as well. And I talked again about how, for me, exercise has had to become a lifestyle choice. It just has to happen just has to happen. So I've got you thinking, I know, you know, I, I, can, I can hear you. And if you heard this talk from last week, maybe you're thinking something like this. Okay, I've got to trust God. Faith's important. I've got to eat less. Yep, I get that. I've got to move more. Right, what else is there to do? That's the basics, right? That's the basic received wisdom. And yet, although we know that, many of us do still struggle to make long-term change a reality. And that's because there are two other essentials that we didn't look at last week. Focus and friends. And they're equally as important on this journey if you're trying to see things change. So looking at focus first, I wonder if you've ever wondered why change is so hard. You see, we can be great at starting a plan, can't we? We can be great at doing something for a while, following a plan, you know, for a while. And then something will happen to throw us off course and we will lose the plot. Has, has that ever happened to anybody or is it just me? Okay, thank you for that. The rest of you are lying. No, no, no. You see, I can keep to a really good diet or exercise program for maybe a week, maybe a couple of weeks. The thing that makes sure that I stay with it is the element of focus, which has actually more to do with our mental health than our physical health. Time and again, I have watched interviews with incredible sportsmen and athletes. You know, they're at the top of their game. I mean, look at someone like Andy Murray, who's just won all that stuff last year. Amazing. Incredible achievement. And you, you, say to, you read these interviews with them and they say, well, what's made the difference? Because actually all the top athletes physically are at a very, very similar level. And what do they always say? It's, it's in the mind. It's my mental strength that's, that's seen me through. I mean, did you watch, for example, just digressing, did you watch the Olympic tennis final? Andy Murray, just, it was, the conditions were awful, it was emotional, it was long and late, and it was just, they were sort of, they kept going at each other. It was the mental strength that kept him going. And it's the same for us. It's the same for us. Look, Rick Warren says this, he says, your mental health is vital for your overall health. Negative thoughts, positive thoughts, or a lack of thought can consume us. And so four little tips I've got, and they're on your sheet, and I'm not going to take very long over them. Think well. Think well. Whatever gets the most of our mind's attention is going to direct the rest of our lives. And the Bible talks about this in Philippians 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, and whatever's right, whatever's pure, and whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, praiseworthy think about this. And a really big part of staying focused is being able to develop a mastery over the quality of our thoughts. Because thoughts can lie. Thoughts can lie to us. Uninvestigated thoughts can lead to a whole help of unhelpful emotions. A whole heap of unhelpful emotions like depression or anxiety or fear. You know, which leads to comfort and in my case leads to overeating. This is still a battle for me. Thinking well needs time and it needs discipline. That's why something like mindfulness can be really helpful. And Steve and Jeanette are going to talk about that in just a couple of minutes. My friend used to say, wherever you are, be there. So easy to be distracted by everything else. But be in the zone. Be in the moment. 
And then know our motivation. You know, what is it? What is our motivation to do this? If you're going to make a change, why are you doing it? What's the driving force? Is it simply to live in God's will and honor him? Is it to have a greater mental health clarity and capacity? Is it to be a great role model for somebody that you love? Having clear goals really helps. I know what mine are. My goals for this are to better honor my God, to better honor my wife and my family, and to live longer so that I can do the job that God's called me to as long as I possibly can. And I know what my goal is. At the minute, my goal is to lose 10% of my body weight. And I am three quarters of the way towards that. But that is only my first goal. <laughs> there, will, there will be, in order to get healthy, I'm going to need to lose that again, probably. And possibly even again. So this is, a, this is about long-term lifestyle change. And truthfully, I did plateau a bit coming up to Christmas. I've not put any back on, but I haven't lost any more. You know, and so it's really important to stay focused and to know our motivation, to stay thankful. There's some biblical advice there on just always giving thanks to God and keeping a, asking him to help us keep a positive mental attitude. And then to learn from our failures, to expect ups and downs. To expect things to not go well. To expect to fail. The difference, everyone fails, the difference is what you do about it. If you can, if you can analyze it and learn from it, I have failed more times than I care to remember. Why didn't that go well this time? Because I didn't plan ahead? Because I didn't prepare a healthy option? Because I didn't think it through? Because I'm too busy? Because I didn't share with somebody how I'm feeling? And therefore I went down, to that, down that emotional road on my own didn't quite have the guts to do it. I'm going to jump ahead to the last one, which is about friends, which, uh, which Rick Warren calls the secret source. The secret source. Two are better than one, this verse from Ecclesiastes. It's usually read at weddings, but it's a really helpful verse in this context too. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down... One can help the other up, but pity one who falls in doesn't have anyone to help him up. Also, two lie down together and they will keep warm. Two may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. We were designed to do life and to do this journey together, not on our own. This is wisdom for life. And if we're trying to make big changes to our lifestyle, if we're trying to do something about our physical health and fitness, or any kind of health and fitness then doing it together with somebody else, it just, it's just good wisdom. It's biblical wisdom, it's common sense. I read last week the stats from the church where they started this program, and the people who did it as part of a group lost twice as much weight as the people who didn't. As Rick Warren says, it's a bit cheesy in American, but it's easy to remember, everybody needs a buddy. I'll say that again, everybody needs a buddy. When you're surrounded by people who have the same values and the same goals and the same health habits, then you are going to progress further than you could on your own. We were made for community, and we are made to encourage one another and work together. Now, there are loads of ways that this could work. Loads of ways. And I, I've got, I'm going to throw out just two or three or four suggestions here, but I'd love to encourage you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, because he's creative. You could do this as part of a life group. If you're part of a life group already, then you could just be taking the minute, taking the opportunity to share what's going on with you and making the most of that safe place that you've got. 
You know, if you're part of a life group, and maybe there's a few of you, there is a video study course available for this, the Daniel plan. You might decide that you want to actually run this as part of your life group, or maybe you're thinking, actually, this is something I'd like to do. It's very easy to run. It's all, all the work's done there for you. If you can put a cup of, t- if you can serve a cup of tea and press play on a DVD player, then you could lead a group with a bunch of other people where where you all focused specifically on supporting one another towards this journey of health and fitness. We don't have one of those going in our church, but I'd love to see one start, or several. So maybe God's asking you to do that. Another thing you could do is join one of the fitness groups in our church. We have three starting this term. Some of them have already started. We've got Fit Steps, and we've got Football on a Monday night, and we've got um, the Walking Group, the Wayfarers Walking Group. All of these things happen as part of uh, this church, and that's community. That's doing things together, getting to know people. might be a great opportunity to invite somebody along. And by the way, if someone else brings a friend to one of those groups and you're part of it, do, do, uh, do forgive me, but do make sure that you say hi and you don't be weird. Yeah, is that all right? Do make sure that you welcome somebody into the group. Oh, you've brought your friend. Brilliant. How are you? Don't start talking church and doing the clique thing. Do the open thing, yeah? Do you get me? Sorry, I don't mean to... You know what I'm saying. Um, outside the church, I mentioned last week that I do a group outside the church called Parafit. There's loads of stuff going on. Again, might be a wonderful way just to invite somebody, uh, do something with somebody, take a mate along to an exercise class or do it with a few friends. And there's just one other idea that I wanted to throw out, a bit of a challenge, because I've heard about this happening in some other churches. And uh, How many of you are gardeners? How many of you love to grow vegetables? Oh, loads of you. Fantastic. Anyone got an allotment? Yeah, amazing. I know you have, Brian. Um, I have heard of some amazing projects in churches where they've got community allotments going. I've even heard of one where um, they, they didn't really have any space to do it, apart from on the car park, so they... Put it, uh, not that one, the next one. They put it in some tyres like that. Yeah? I mean, all they did was put the tyres in, fill them up with uh, soil and plant vegetables. You know? I know at least two or three churches where community allotments are part of what they do. And that's all the fun and you're growing your own food and it's all part of this. I just wanted to throw that out there because, you know, it may be that that's something that God might speak to you about doing. Or getting involved if, if you're that kind of a person. Me, I'm really not. I, it's not my bag at all. But um, could you use an opportunity to build community and to improve fitness and health at the same time? Maybe the Lord's speaking to us about that. Now, I've finished my little series, but that isn't the end of this morning because I'm going to hand over to Steve and Jeanette. And I've slightly gone over, so I'm going to just taste them. Go, go over to, uh, take your time. Take your time. And um, I don't know if you know these guys. These are wonderful people. This is their area. Steve is a, a doctor and Jeanette, well, she'll, she'll tell you what she does. She's a kind of life coach and all sorts of other things. And I asked them to share into this subject because I knew that they would have something really valuable to say. And also, they are also running a course which is starting in the next couple of weeks, which you might be interested in. Over to you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Nigel. Great. Thanks very much indeed, Nigel. It's uh, really good to be here this morning. We're looking forward to spending some time thinking about promoting our mental health uh, and well-being. Uh, we'll introduce ourselves in, in just a second. Um, but what we, what we really prayed about at home before we came in this morning and when we were collecting before the service, that we hope there's some interesting 
sort of neurology in this, some psychology in this. But we hope from this brief session that there will be something practical to take away and that maybe for a number of people here, this is, this is a turning point. This is a set of tools that will allow you to uh, change from a, a, an anxious, maybe a worried mindset into a mindset that God wants for you, a more uh, peaceful, uh, calm mindset approaching uh, your life. Uh, as Nigel said, I'm a doctor. Uh, I spend half my time as a GP and half my time as an educator and a mentor. And in my day-to-day -day work, I see the reality of the mental health challenges in our communities uh, at the moment. Also, if you, you know, read papers, look at the news, there are huge demands in primary care. I feel that after a, a busy 12-hour day in, in practice. Um, and I particularly feel it in my role as a mentor, sitting down with young doctors coming into practice, dealing with a very different environment to that which I came into when I started medicine. Uh, and in fact, this is uh, the morale in general practice is so poor that the deanery is actually paying for GPs to do mindfulness training. And I did uh, mindfulness training uh, myself. And we want to talk a little bit about that. Certainly, we're starting a course, but we want to place in this little section this morning mindfulness in the context of a practical set of tools that you can use to hopefully improve your own mental health and well-being. Okay, morning everybody. Um, my name's Jeanette, uh, married to Steve, and uh, my background is over 30 years of working, um, well I've, I'm a nurse background, but I've spent over 30 years working in an occupational health environment as an occupational health nurse and also a manager. And I've seen so many problems relating to um, the pressures of life and the pressures of work. And, and I developed a kind of special interest and a passion about helping people to be more resilient and to deal with the stress when it arises and kind of catch it early so that you can, you can do something about it. Um, I've also trained as a coach and uh, as Nigel mentioned, I'm actually a, mainly an executive and business coach but I also do do some life coaching and some Christian coaching. Um, and I now have my own business doing that primarily, but I also kind of go around the UK doing workshops um, on aspects of resilience and stress. So that's kind of my, my baby, really, my passion. So I came to mindfulness itself about... Um, not yet. Um, I came to mindfulness um, about um, 18 months ago, uh, just after Steve did, actually, because he'd found it very helpful, and I've, professionally I was really interested in what that could do um, for, for my clients. Um, found it really helpful, but for me, it was, it was a secular mindfulness course. It was missing God. So I did some research, and I found a Christian mindfulness course, um, which was very well um, researched and very well um, reviewed. And I, I went to a workshop like that, so I then did the online training. And I felt that actually there's so many people that could benefit from that, that I've actually um, I've sort of bought the license and we're going to run our first course this term. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. Um, so, that, so that's kind of my background. So why are we talking about mental health and well-being? Well, partly because it's part of um, Nigel's excellent series, but actually the context of, of where we are as a society, where we are as people at the moment, is it, we're living in kind of unprecedented times, aren't we? The pressures on us have really, really grown. I think there were a lot of pressures years ago, but they've kind of built. And, and part of the reason for that is the technology that we work with now. It's increased the pace of life. It's increased demands. There's an expectation that you're going to get back to people instantly. puts enormous pressures on, both in work and outside of work. Um, 
So despite people kind of living longer, we're kind of not happier. So I think that's, that's just a kind of key background, really. We're also, the 24-7 connectivity and the news cycle doesn't help, does it? Because news cycles are really based on bad news. And that's not very helpful for our kind of mental health because we then end up focusing on all the problems in the world, of which there are a lot, I know. Um, add this to the kind of breakdown of family life over the last few decades and the recent kind of seismic political activity, you know, obviously the inauguration in the States yesterday, and that's created another news cycle uh, and a half. Um, and it can also kind of feel that we're feeling really negative and out of control. It just feels that everything's just too much. So what does God say about that? What I'm going to do is just go through four quick verses and then hand back to Jeanette for the, the core of what we're talking about. Um, I think that you know, when Nigel's been talking to us, I think if you want to change your diet, if you want to change your exercise, there are often good resources that you can go to, and then it is about the support and the will to make a change. But I think not many of us are sure what we do to exercises to improve our mental health. And, and this is where mindfulness can come in. There are other, other techniques. And the other thing I want to say before I get into these Bible verses, which is really God's heart for us, what he wants for us in the mental health area, is we led a home group for many years in our previous church in Maidenhead in Berkshire. And one of the home group members was a lady called Ruth. She was a, a lay preacher in our church. And she did an evening that really struck with me. And she used the images of three tanks, our physical tank, our mental tank, and our spiritual tank. And to be balanced people that God wants us to be, those tanks need to be filled. We need to be physically fit, we need to be mentally fit, and we need to be spiritually fit. And certainly around the church at the time, there were lots of people who were exhausted spiritually, that spiritual tank was filled to overflowing, but their physical and mental tanks weren't. And that's not God. what God wants for us. So starting off with the Romans verse, you can read it there. What God dearly wants is for us to, to know him and be transformed by that knowing. And there's a seed in there that actually we can transform uh, the way we think. And, and as Christians, we have access to, to God to help us with that. The Proverbs, again, you can read that. This is from the wisdom verses. And, you know, this is ancient uh, wisdom, thousand years old. And it was understood even then, and God understands it for us now, that our thoughts drive our emotions drive our behavior and our actions. And sometimes we feel awful emotionally and we're behaving in a way that we're not comfortable with. But if we can align our thoughts, we can change the way we feel and it will change the way we behave uh, and act. And then two verses from towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the Matthew 6.34. Just let you read that. And I always read that and go, yeah, <laughs> but I am worried. And it's not just a question of, okay, uh, I get that I shouldn't be and I should be uh, just attending to today's problems. But how do we practically grab that promise of not being worried? And finally, the Matthew 7. 
And this is what we're going to talk about now. We, we build our Christian life on the rock of faith, of knowing Jesus Christ, knowing the good news, and introducing it into our lives. And we can do the same in our thinking. You can build it on a firm rock so you are prepared for when the tough times come. There's an analogy that that Jeanette really likes about making a parachute and working on your mental health is like producing a really good, safe parachute. And when you jump out of the plane, when the bad times hit, you just put the parachute up. A lot of us feel like we jump out of the plane and we're stitching on the way down. And, And that's not where we want to be. Okay, let me hand you back to Jeanette and we'll look at a model that helps us fit mindfulness in a practical way to improve our mental health and well-being. Thank you. Um, so just before we move on to the model, I want to talk a little bit about what actually happens when, when we're stressed. And I'm not going to go into loads of detail about this because um, there, there's a really good stress course running just before we run the Christian Mindfulness course. Um, Claire and Mervyn are running that, and that's a great place to really learn a lot more. This is so... It's such a big subject, and we've not got very much time, so we've really taken one aspect of it today. So what happens? We have a kind of really primitive bit of our brain called the limbic brain, and there's a a sort of thing in our limbic brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala, it's like having a big searchlight that goes around ahead of us all the time, scanning the environment for danger. So when when our brain perceives our amygdala goes, "Uh uh-uh, there's a danger, we then produce all the stress hormones, and you've heard about the sort of adrenaline and cortisol, and it's called the fight-or-flight response. So immediately our body is made ready to deal with the danger that's come up. And that produces lots of symptoms, a sort of dry mouth, we can shake, we can just feel, you know, uh, our brain kind of switches off a little bit. Um, But we're ready to kind of run or fight. So that's brilliant when you're being pursued by something like a tiger, but it's not so good when you've just got a deadline to meet or you're feeling really um, anxious about um, money worries or any other things that create that reaction. So our threats these days aren't necessarily life-threatening, they're more things that just worry us. So if we don't deal physically with the threat and it carry, carry on in that kind of alert state, And that's not really very good for our bodies or our minds. The other thing that happens, actually, is that um, we can end up switching off our logical brain. So when the amygdala uh, creates this high alert, it switches off our prefrontal cortex, so it affects our ability to think logically. And when that happens, we just can't make sensible decisions. So we can then find that we create or we adopt really poor coping mechanisms and you know Nigel mentioned this earlier and it it really does happen that we'll sometimes use other things to kind of numb numb the pain or numb the symptoms but actually there's good news in here we can do something about it and that's why we've sort of come up um, with something very simple to kind of talk to you about today that you can hopefully take away and do practically um, to help to change that thinking um, feelings and behaviour cycle that goes on, particularly around the negative thinking. Because if we're watching all that bad news all the time, our amygdala's just in alert all the time, just feeling worried about all of that stuff that we can do nothing about. So, what we're going to talk about here is a kind of um, really practical thing around, based around positive psychology. And there's loads and loads of research around this, lots of neuroscience research has been done, And actually, it's been shown 
that in 21 days, you can kind of literally rewire the brain to, to be looking more for the positives in the environment and less for the negatives in the environment. But you have to do it every day for it to work. So it is a bit of a commitment to do that. You need to commit to five daily practices, which probably only take half an hour. So it's half an hour of your day, 21 days, but it works even better if you carry on for longer than that. So what are those daily practices? Well, the first one, and we've talked about this a lot in Nigel's, um, <laughs> Nigel's talked about, a lot about this in his course, um, is the exercise element. And what we're talking about here is exercise that gets your heart rate up because that gets rid of the stress hormones. And it also teaches your brain that behavior matters. And the idea is to do at least 15 minutes a day from a positive psychology point of view. And what's brilliant about exercise, it has the double whammy. So exercise is fantastic for our physical health, but also brilliant for our mental health. It's one of the best things you can do for all-round health. Um, the next one is, is journaling. And I don't know if some of you might journal already, but this is about journaling some really specific things every single day. So the first one is to think about, in the last 24 hours, one positive experience that happened to you. It doesn't have to be you know, a massive thing. It can just be a really small thing that's a positive experience. And the idea is that you journal that, and by journaling it, you're reliving it, so your brain is reliving that positive experience, and it's switching on the happy hormones instead of the stress hormones. Then when you pray about it, you're saying thank you and you're living it again. So that's a fantastic thing to do. The next one is to write down and pray for three things every day that you're thankful for. So it's a bit, bit different to the positive experience. It's specific things that you're really thankful for. If you can think of three new things every day, that's even better because you're creating even more of a, a buzz for your brain. And then give thanks for that, because when we're grateful and we give thanks, that switches on all the positive hormones as well. The next one is a random act of kindness, and I know there's certain times of the year where we might think about random acts of kindness. This is something that you need to do something every single day. And this can be something really simple, like sending an email to somebody that you'd like to encourage, somebody that you'd like to just express appreciation for. Um, it could be you're in a queue for a coffee, even if you're in a hurry, you could buy a coffee for somebody behind you in the queue. Just a random act of kindness. And there's a brilliant website, which is on the last slide, which I'll leave up at the end. Um, 40 Acts, hashtag 40 Acts. Um, and they have lots and lots of ideas on their websites um, for different acts of kindness you can do if you're running out of ideas over 21 days. <clears throat> and then the last one on our list is doing some kind of meditation, and we recommend sort of Christian mindfulness meditation um, as, as a technique. The idea of Christian mindfulness meditation is that we, when, instead of thinking about all the stuff, our negative thoughts and all the stuff that goes on and all the worries, we're bringing our attention to one thing at a time. Usually that one thing will be a part of the body or a function like breathing. Breathing's very useful because it's kind of there all the time. And if you'd like to, we're going to have a go at that in a minute. Um, and the idea is then you've, you're focusing your attention. And attention is like a muscle. It's a, it's a skill. So if you practice it regularly, it gets easier to do. So you're not stitching the parachute when you go into a difficult situation. Okay, next slide, please. So one of the key messages here, and this is picking up on what Nigel said, we do have a choice over what we think about. We're human beings, and we do have a choice. And that's such a positive thing. 
Okay, um, have we got time to do the... Yeah, okay, brilliant. So we're almost at an end. Am I on? Yep. Um, so what we thought we would do is give you an opportunity to experience, just for three minutes, uh, a mindfulness meditation. And, and by doing this, we hope we kind of debunk uh, meditation. Meditation has a wonderful thousand-plus-year history within the Christian church. We've lost it in our Western tradition. It's still prevalent in other tr Christian traditions around the world. And meditation is no more than the skill to be present and attending on what you choose to attend to. And one of the things you may notice when we do this practice is your mind goes all over the place. And that may be a surprise to you. And it may feel like a bit of a struggle. But we just want you to experience what it is about controlling what you are doing with your thoughts and with your mind. If you feel uncomfortable about this, then, then we can just sit quietly. It's only going to take a couple of moments. So sitting in the chair, I'll talk about the position as we get into the meditation, and you'll probably end up with your eyes closed. The meditation starts now. This short meditation is designed to settle your awareness in the present moment. Begin by making yourself comfortable in your chair. Feet flat on the floor and legs uncrossed. Your spine straight but not stiff. So your posture supports your intention to be aware. Your hands resting in your lap or on your thighs. You may wish to close your eyes or settle your gaze directly ahead of you. Allow your body to settle and relax in this moment, seeking to be alert and awake. Consider the sensations involved as your body is in contact with the chair. Spend a few moments exploring these sensations. Now, moving your attention to focus on your breath. Each breath you take is a gift from God and a sign of the gift of life that he has given you. As you focus your attention on your breath, notice where you feel the breath in your abdomen. Gently stretching of the tummy as you breathe in and the relaxation as you breathe out. Spend a few moments exploring these sensations. Follow the breath all the way in and all the way out. And if your mind wanders, that it is bound to do, simply notice where your mind has been and then gently bring your attention back to the breath. Notice the rising of your abdomen as your lungs expand and your body takes in oxygen. Noticing the falling of the tummy on each outbreath. Continue to focus on your breathing in the silence that follows. Follow it all the way in and all the way out.